0: All right, a little after 6 o'clock on this Thursday evening as we take you right up until uh, 6.30. A uh, quickie show for you as we uh, have each and every evening. And, you know, we're one day away, so uh, we'll save all the analysis for tomorrow, give you picks and everything in the uh, 6 o'clock hour tomorrow as we get ready for Super Bowl 54. Looking forward to it. I didn't even expect to see what the weather is. I should check since I'm going to the game what the weather is for the game on the weekend. So let me see what the weather is going to be. It's going to be sunny and, well... I'm looking at what it is going to be in Palm Beach Sunday, which is only a couple miles away. Um, it's going to be 70 degrees and sunny. 70 is a little chilly, considering it's going to be 80 on Friday. The high is going to be 70 degrees on sunny and Sunday, uh, uh, on Sunday and sunny. So that's nice. All right, So that's uh, good weather for the game. So it looks like it's going to be... There's a little thunderstorms in the forecast on Saturday. Um, people like Miami... See, the three venues that are no risk for the NFL are Los Angeles, Miami, and of course, New Orleans. New Orleans is the most popular because everything is so accessible. The city is set up so well for conventions. Uh, It would be a very popular site, as would Vegas be a very although I I still have trouble getting my arms around the idea of them playing that Super Bowl week in Vegas. But uh it would be a very, very popular setting and it would be a very accessible setting because everything's right there. Same thing in New Orleans, everything's right there. Miami's still spread out because you have this whole issue where the game is way is all the way up where their stadium is, is virtually, you know, almost in Fort Lauderdale, and they still have a lot of the stuff in downtown Miami where you're talking about South Beach, which is a long haul. So you have people spread out all the way from South Beach all the way up into Broward County, all the way up to Hollywood, all the way up in even to Palm Beach, which is, you know, you're talking – with traffic, it could take you 90 minutes to get down there from, from you know, from up there to there. It's going to take you a good 90 minutes or so to get down there. Um, but the weather's always good. There's something to do. And I think there's an idea that at least you're at a – at least you went to a place where you can walk outside and you can, it's not the dead of winter and there's something to do and, you know, you can play golf or you can, you know, go out on a boat or it's scenic, that kind of thing. So, um and you're going to get good weather for the game, most t- nine times out of ten. Um, this game's got... is very attractive from a standpoint of the matchup. And I get the feeling... Now, I do know that the because I talked to a couple of uh, ticket brokers that I know who I've known through the years, and I always check in with them during the Super Bowl week to get an idea. Hey, tell me what's going on. And they said... Ticket is a expensive ticket. It has stayed up as an expensive ticket, number one. Number two, there's a feeling that Kansas City is really going to be a very aggressive, you know, attendee of the game and that this is going to be a Kansas City crowd. Now, the, uh, the obvious things about that is Kansas City hasn't been there in 50 years. They have a rabid fan base at home and – They've been waiting for this for a couple of years. They've been sitting on ready, And it's San Francisco, so it's a long way to come. So there's a feeling that it's going, to be a, it's going to be a Kansas City crowd. I also think there's going to be a little bit of sentimentality towards Andy Reid for people who don't have anyone to root for. And I think Mahomes has become a very likable figure in the league, so I think there's a lot of that too. So I do think Kansas City becomes a little bit of the hometown favorite here in this game. And like I said, the ticket prices have stayed very, very high. And there's a lot of, at least the guys I talked to told me there was a lot of a lot of interest in the seats. Like sometimes people say, oh, the game is dead. Game is just dead. Now, I'm not hearing that. I'm hearing that, there's a, that this game, there's a, a lot of interest in seats and people looking for seats. So that's a good thing. I, I always like the idea that the game is attractive. See, one thing you would know is haven't been to a million Super Bowls. If the Cowboys are in it or the Giants are in it, you know the ticket's going to be crazy hot. You don't even think about it. It's going to be hot, and it's even going to be hotter if it's a New York team. And we've never dealt with the Jets; so it's only been the Giants. But it's always crazy hot if the Giants are in it, and it's usually hot if Dallas is in it. You know that's that's usually the case. So it seems like it's going to be a little bit of a Kansas City crowd. Number one. And they're a little bit, I, I think, of the sentimental favorite for the reasons I just gave you. But the game has, you know, plenty plenty to whet your appetite. It's a very interesting matchup. It's a very interesting game from a technical standpoint. There's a lot of star power in the game. Both teams come in playing well. You can make a very good case for either team. So there's a lot to like here in this game. There really is. You know, a couple of things here. Um... Yankees-Arenado, I mean, give me a break. Did the Yankees need another right-handed batter? i got to pay a fortune to Give me enough. enough and I, I was a wonderful player. That's what the Yankees need. Another right-handed hitting infield. I mean, give me a break. Please. That's crazy. And go somewhere else. I mean, this doesn't make any sense. Um, the All-Star Game. This has nothing to do with how they decide to honor Kobe Bryant. They can honor Kobe Bryant any way. And someone brought up to me today... Um, hey, why not have one team wear eight, the other team wear 24 in the All-Star game? That was a nice touch. I thought that made sense. And I don't care about All-Star games. I won't watch them anyway. So I won't watch them no matter what they do. But this idea of, you know, setting the game back, to I was reading it. And as I'm reading it, I'm saying this is the dumbest thing I've ever – if I read it to you, you'd say, are you serious? This is how they decide they're going to – They're going to honor the memory of Kobe Bryant. The score will be reset to 0-0 after the first and second quarters. How does that honor Kobe Bryant? All right. At the end of the third quarter, the total scores from each quarter will be combined as it would in a typical game. Okay, that's novel. So you add up the score from the first three quarters. Gee, that's something new. The fourth quarter will be untimed. Are we playing forever? Instead, a target score will be set by adding 24 points to the total of whichever team has to lead the lead through three quarters. I mean, come on. This is just downright silly. Nothing to do with Kobe Bryant. This is just downright silly. I mean, this is a case of we are trying. This has nothing to do with Kobe Bryant. This has everything. And I'm not saying they don't want to honor Kobe Bryant. They do. What they're trying to do is take an all-star game that nobody watches and figure out a way to get somebody to watch it. It's the same thing the NFL does every year. They have to face facts. Nobody cares about these games. The skills competitions are more, I can watch the three-point shooting. I can't watch the game. I can watch a skills competition. I, I, I don't like the dunk contest. First of all, there's no way to score it. Oh, look at that dunk. Wow, wow. And the guy stands on the table, and the guy does that. I mean, listen, who cares? I mean, that, uh, there's nothing compelling about that. They all can dunk. So, I mean, that just, that just doesn't work. But I actually like the three-point shooting. I think that's actually interesting sometimes. Um, the game has no merit. Zero. And how about the fact that the league and they quietly want to try to brush this under the mat, that the salary cap is going to go down in the NFL and the NBA, which means revenue is going down. TV ratings have not been good. They lost somewhere, depending on who you speak to, between $150 million and $200 million in gross revenues in China because of the incident in China. They lost, that cost the NBA over $200 million in gross revenues. So they're talking about the revenue, actually, the salary cap going down. And in this day and age, that does not happen very often. NBA has had a really tough time with their, with their TV ratings. Very, very tough time. And we're into a new age now. And there's going to be a whole new wave of this stuff. And it's going to pick up for them in the years to come with gambling and with streaming and everything else. I don't think there's any question. But they're going to have to be patient. And right now, it has not been a great time for them. And that's why they were hoping to get a lift from Zion because of the fact that their TV ratings, are, you know, their ratings have not been good in any way, so anybody who was going to bring anything to the dance was going to be a welcome. But having LeBron back in the playoffs this year will be very much a positive for them. Because I can tell you right now, I missed watching him in the playoffs last year a lot. I watched fewer fewer NBA playoff games last year with him not there than him there. No question about it. With the first pick in the plumbing and heating supply draft, contractors select SupplyHouse.com. Take the field at SupplyHouse.com on Monday, February 3rd to get 1% off for each touchdown scored in the big game. Take it to the house, SupplyHouse.com. You know, I've known Andy Reid since before. He was the head coach with the Eagles. That's a long time. That is a long time. And he has had a, a wonderful career. He really has. He's been an incredibly good day-in, day-out coach. And he's been lumped with the guys that you don't want to be lumped with. Because right now, history has lumped him him in that bin with Marty Schottenheimer and Chuck Knox. Guys who have had a lot of success in the regular season. Only to be haunted by postseason games. If you go back and look at the history, nobody was more haunted by postseason games than... Marty Schottenheim was. I mean, it was unbelievable things that went on. I mean, John Elway took teams the Cleveland that had no chance to, to win and won. I mean, you know, just crazy stuff that went on. But Andy right now, when you look at it, he's, he's won 207 regular season games. That's a lot. You win 200 games in this league. Think about it, he's won four he's won ten or more games fourteen different years. Hard to win ten games in that league. Do it fourteen times. In Kansas City, he's had all winning seasons. He's won double digits all but one year. He's been to the playoffs all but one year. That's a great run since he went to Kansas City. I mean when you know when he left Philly, everyone was like, Oh, well, you know, the game's passed him by. Well, he's gone to Philly. the. Kansas City. He's put in an offense that everybody loves. They play in front of full houses every game. You can't get a seat to their games. The people worship the team. They're exciting to watch. they got a great young quarterback and they're a lot of fun and here they are. They should have been in the Super Bowl last year. They messed it up. Now they're here this year. You just hope this isn't the climb one more time. You know what Pat Riley used to call the innocent climb, where every time it's another step. Last year, they lost a heartbreaking game despite 31 second-half points against the Pats and losing the AFC title game. This year, they get past the AFC title game. Now, you don't want to see them get beat in this spot and have to come back and do this again because, you know what, I think it's too hard to do. Think about how many things had to break their way this year. The Pats lost to the Dolphins, which gave them a bye. The Raven the the Ravens lost to the Titans. They spotted a playoff team twenty-four point lead. Think about that. Remember when you were sitting there a couple of weeks ago and you were staring at the screen and the Chiefs were down twenty four nothing to the Texans. And I know now you thought, Oh, wow, you know what? That's easy. I guarantee you, a lot of people listening right now said this game is over. It was twenty-four nothing, wasn't it? Wasn't seven nothing? It was twenty-four to nothing. Then they spot a ten-point lead to the Titans the next game. So think of all the things they've had to overcome this year to get back and get past the same spot they got to last year. You don't want to try and have to do this again. And it is a fact that in this day and age, where no matter what sport you're talking about, we have made it that the playoffs are what matters. The regular seasons have been devalued. The postseason is, there are more layers to the postseasons now. There are more games in the postseason now. And the postseason is how we value players, how we value coaches. We value the guy who can get to the big game and win it. We don't want to hear excuses. We don't want to hear how he got there. It just shows you how it changes everything. I'll give you the perfect example of this. A couple of years ago, I remember taking phone calls on the fan, and some of you remember this, where people were calling up telling me that Villanova had a fire Jay Wright because he couldn't win the big NCAA tournament game. This is a guy who had strung together three or four straight 30-win seasons at Villanova, had had them in the top 10, as a fixture year after year after year. But something would happen. He had once been to a Final Four, but something would, in recent years had happened where they had gotten picked off a couple of times in the second round or in the, in, in the uh, regional semis. And they had gone home and hadn't gotten to the Final Eight and hadn't gotten to the Final Four and hadn't taken it all the way. And now all of a sudden he was the guy who couldn't win the big one, that label of labels. So look now, a couple of years later, same coach, same program. But what has happened is he's had two magical NCAA tournament runs. So now what is he? He's coach of the decade. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He's one of the iconic coaches of this generation. What changed? A couple of his kids made big shots in big spots. When they were down five to West Virginia, they scored about six straight baskets. That changed. They played a really nasty West Virginia team. And the ball bounced their way in a game that could have gone either way. And then after that, they ran the table. And then they got hot the second time around and had a really great team and won, back, and won a pair of championships in three years. And now he's gone from that guy who couldn't win a big game and you guys wanted to fire to a guy now who's this iconic coach. That's how quickly it changes. And I'll never forget what Dean Smith said to a bunch of us at that building because Dean Smith had been criticized so many times for not winning the quote-unquote big one. He had been to the Final Four so many times, and he had lost. And he had lost to Dean Smith, and he had lost to Bob Knight, and he had lost to great coaches and great teams and great players. And he finally wins it. As Jordan makes a basket in the best game I've ever seen in my life, still the best game I've ever seen played between two college teams, and they win a championship. And he was standing there waiting to go to the podium and you could tell he was a little embarrassed and he said, am I a better coach now than I was 15 minutes ago? And of course the answer was no. But you know what? To everybody the answer was yes because we reward the guy who wins the big game. We reward the payoff. The heart, the other part is harder. The other part is really the nuts and bolts—the ability to go there and build a program that's sustaining, that wins year after year, that gets the players, and can win season after season, and knock off the 25-win seasons in college basketball, or the you know 55-win seasons in the NBA, or the you know 11, 12-win seasons in the NFL—and you take the granted until your team goes through a run of you know not being able to win more than four or five games in a year. Then you beg to have those 12-win teams or 11-win teams that everybody takes for granted when you don't win it at all. But that's, that's the essence of the game we play. So Andy Reid right now, so much the focal point of this weekend, On Monday morning, if his team falls short, I guarantee you, we come in here on Monday, I will find you a story that will say that he is a choking dog who's never going to win a big game and how it's over for Andy and he's nothing but a big disappointment. Or if they should finally have their moment and he gets to lift that trophy finally with the big smile on his face and he finally gets to do that, which will make a lot of us very happy. We'll hear how now that he is this legendary coach who has, you know, done this incredible job and built this, you know, machine in the Midwest. There's no in between. We reward the people who win the big game. And in nowhere in America is there a bigger difference. Nowhere than between winning and losing the Super Bowl. I've made this comment many times, and I think some people think I'm nuts about it, but it's 100% true. You are much better off losing in the conference championship game than you are losing in the Super Bowl. Nobody cares. Nobody knocks you for losing in the conference championship game. But losing in the Super Bowl and, God forbid, get beat up in the Super Bowl, and it is a negative. It is a mark against you. You're better off not getting there. You are better off not getting there than going there and getting drubbed. That's a big. that will hurt you more in your career than not getting there. Because the idea is that there should be an expectation that when you get there, you know what to do when you get there. That you have what it takes to do it right when you get there. God forbid you go there and do terribly. I'm telling you, John Elway took teams there that had no right being there. They had not a chance in the world and they had no right being there and he was beat to a pulp called every name in the book and even called names by Terry Bradshaw and he came back with a team that could win and all of a sudden he's John Wayne and all of a sudden he's this whirling dervish who's you know a proven winner and he you know he was better in the games that he that where he took the team there on his back but it didn't matter you can't go to this game and fall on your face if you do you can't live it down the difference between winning and losing this game is enormous There's no other game like it. You go to the the World Series, as an opponent you lose, you still got to the World Series. You go to the NBA Finals, hey, you got to the Finals. You come here and get beat, shame on you. When you come to this game, there's no second place. It's all or nothing. It's push your chips in the middle of the table. It's all or nothing. It is a winner-take-all, zero-sum game. That's all it is. That's what the Super Bowl is. And nothing else is like this. I had a coach say to me once, how come I don't get any credit for going to a Super Bowl? I said, credit? It's a knock that you went there and lost. not a positive. People have made fun of the Bills. And I've had coaches tell me one of the most impressive things they've ever seen in sports was the Bills getting to the Super Bowl four years in a row. And they became the butt of, a, of jokes because they lost all four. And they had to accomplish incredible things to win those games. That got, you know How many games they had to win to get there four times in a row? We might never see that again in our lifetime. I mean, that's an incredible achievement. And it's weird that they would go there four times and lose. And again, and the game seemed to get, you know, they played too close and too bad. But the point is that it became a negative. So going there is what it's about. You got to go there, and when you get there, you got to win it. And that's what Andy Reid faces this week. So I will keep my fingers crossed because I'd hate to be – thinking about that, leaving that building, or what he's going to face should he fall short again. there will be an empty, empty feeling if that's the case. Tomorrow we'll have predictions and everything else. We'll see you at 5 on Radio.com, 6 on The Fan. Enjoy your Thursday evening, everybody.